out to all you Ravagers and Outriders, Novacore and Crane, and even all you Solver out there. You are now listening to Sanctuary Walk Radio. Um, but I think we're gonna we're gonna reclassify that a little bit. Uh, we're gonna think we're gonna say D bags, D bags, yes. powers. Um, um, uh, because then I don't have to beep anything because we will be saying D bags with powers a lot. A lot. Should they? Um, ha- should we have like a theme song for D bags with powers? <laughs> I might just take that. And it's like non-exciting forms. <laughs> Deep bags of power. <laughs> the more you know, and then like the sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, so we're here. We got through that source wall, right? So we right. Don't have to I worry mean, about that's, that. That's that's got to be a plus, right? You know. That's... Now we just have to get through this glass ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Right. right? <sighs> Whew. Working. We, hey, we, I... we made sure we left everything clean, right? Uh... Define clean. <laughs> I mean, like like the bridge. It's it's presentable. It's clean, right? Uh, maybe. Probably. Sort of okay. almost. I don't think they're going to look physically. I Febrezed like. everything. Oh, okay. All right. Where, where did you get that? Last time we were on Earth. Did you steal it? Yes. I did something called spit polish. Also known as Febreze. Okay. I'm assuming. I don't know. I only knew one way to apply it, though. That was to lick everything. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Guys, I think we're gonna do fine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so just, just um, we stay on the same page. Yes. Everything has been great. It's not like they track numbers you know or anything. It's, yeah. If I had kept that ring. Excuse me. I'm looking for props, side, and diamond. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That would. I'm. I'm. I'm diamond. Hi. I'm side. Props. Hi. Follow me, guys. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. Come into my office. Remember, stick, stick, stick to the story. Stick We're fine. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Yes. <sighs> so how? What's the story how, again? How your day's going, guys? Uh, I would say fairly well. Yeah. Uh, so so far, so good. I yeah. mean, um, stuff happened, and we did stuff. Yeah. Totally. We and we totally accomplished uh, activities and things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Synergy. Uh, yeah. We yeah. Synergy. S- yeah. Cross-person collaboration happened, and yeah. and, uh, and we're uh, communicating with uh, each other very well. Yes. Well, I've yes, heard a I lot about you, all of you. Oh. Yes. Oh. Um, well, that's good. That's for kind those of, of you who do not know me. My name is Mego. Hi. Um, and I am a supervisor here. Oh. All right. Okay. okay. Um, Meg, it's good. It's uh, okay. Okay. All right. Nice to meet you all. Yeah. Um, how would you say you guys are doing in your role? We were talking earlier. We did stuff. Yeah. yeah stuff, has and, been, uh, stuff has happened. And, uh, we, and again, synergistically, our communication, uh, interpersonal 
departmentally has been great. Absolutely. I, I would second that. We, we work well with people. I, I, would, I would second that as well. I would third that even. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to get down to the point here. Oh, okay. Um, our population control initiative, not really doing too well. And something tells me you three might have something to do with that. Uh, well, I'm, uh, we've gone places. Yeah, I mean, that, there that were, was the... There were places that people could have been called where we were. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they weren't. Well, I mean... Like, who's... I mean, define, who's, define control. Yeah. Like, it is we, completely out of control. That's... I mean... We went places, and then, as my understanding, it, it's supposed to be somebody else's job to like to do that to do, stuff. I mean, I'm not. I'm, 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 look, I think what I, I think what problems to say. I, I don't think it's Thanos's job. I well, I guess, I guess it would be Thanos's, Thanos's job, job to yeah, yeah, to to kind of direct that. But that's not that's not like what we're saying. I mean, I mean seriously, you know, if they if they like didn't have if they didn't want to do it that day, like yeah, I, you know, I can't. Like, I, this is there. a lot of fun listening to all of your excuses, but I'm gonna see some. I'm gonna need to see some real improvement in the next couple of weeks if you want to keep your job here. Well, why don't we show her what we've been working on? That is a fantastic. Why don't you join us on the bridge and you you can see how we do. We've been doing we've been like a we've, classification initiative. Yeah. Okay, uh, so a little bit of observing. Yeah. We've got we've got like um dry erase boards and chalk. Yeah, there's and a whole markers. presentation on it. Like I've got I got like uh it's called uh they're called newspaper clippings with like little like string and stuff connected. Yeah, uh, it's it's we good plotted stuff. it all out. We yeah. got it all out. Come it's, up, come I join us and personally can... love design. I'm in. Let's okay. do this. All right. Okay. Good. <sighs> how is one of how do you make a visor super? <sighs> <laughs> so everybody, welcome. Is there to, a regular visor? Well, uh, uh, I I don't. <clears throat> welcome to Sanctuary One Radio. Uh, I'm Diamond Jab. It's Side Props. We're joined by uh, by A Omega, who's who's here with us. Omega, uh, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. We got a lot to get into. Uh, but this is kind of, this is special. I know it's special for props and I, uh, but this is it's like going is, home again. Yes, it is. Uh, we get the opportunity to to add two new people to the discussion uh, and clean up our act a little bit. <laughs> uh, so in the past, uh, if you go back to our classic episodes, we had uh, a section called uh, Tards with Powers is what it was called. Yeah. Uh which came about from a conversation uh, we had at work one time where he was watching or Diamond was watching uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's he's a really big fan of the cartoon show. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I really loved the cartoon show. Um, but I have a hard time with the Spider with the Spider-Man cartoon show, especially because um, most of his villains kind of suck. Like uh, they're usually just uh, I think at the time I was like assholes with powers. They're just and then I was like, you know, there's they're just like, God, you know, just annoying people that got powers like hydra is just a school bully you got powers sandman is just a bully on the beach you got power a thief who got powers um 
Scorpion's just a random dude who got powers. Rhino's just a random dude who got powers. They're just random buttholes who got powers. <laughs> and I think the, the terminology I eventually said it on that 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 emphasized it to the point that I that I that because I, of your frustration because my yes. frustration was charged with powers. Um, but I think we're gonna we're gonna reclassify that a little bit. Uh, we're gonna think we're gonna say d bags, d bags with powers. Yes. Um, uh, because then I don't have to beep anything because we will be saying d bags with powers a lot. A lot. Should they? Um, ha- should we have like a theme song for d bags with powers? <laughs> da, 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 da. I might just take that in its like non exciting form. <laughs> d bags with powers. <laughs> the more you know, and then like the sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's like, it, it, it just reminds me. It just reminds me of the, the episode of Scrubs where it's like <laughs> talking about strangling your kids. Someone should do a PSA about that. And he's like, you go home from a long day at work, crack open a beer, strangle, smother your kid. Don't do, don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that, man. <laughs> don't be a d bag with powers. Don't be a d bag with powers. Don't be a d bags with powers. So the way the classification works is, uh, so here's the plan. In the past, uh, 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 in past episodes, we went really far back, and we figured a solid, even number of a starting point would be a little easier. And so, there have been sixty-five movies since uh, two thousand. So we have a lot to cover, a lot to get through. This will be broken down over a couple episodes, uh, but we are going to go and kind of track everything that's happening. Um, I know one thing we didn't think about props is uh, the point value. Oh, that we did before. That we did before. Are we are we keeping the point value, or are we? I think just, that's fair. Okay. I mean, zero for zero or to five, do, or did we do one for? We did zero for unforgivable. Like if it was oh, unforgivable, yeah, we give you nothing. Yeah, so that was zero. A d bag with powers was a one, yeah. and then I think we did a ten. I thought we did it on a ten. Well, scale. I think five works really well because so we'll five, five is quality, four is a transfer towards quality. Three is a transfer away from quality. A tard with powers, and that's okay. It's two. It's two. A tard with powers is one, and unforgivable is zero. zero. That's fair. So okay. I think I think that works really well for the for the for the qualifications. And so the way we do it is we are qualifying villains. Villains are the the in our opinion the things that make or break a lot of these films. Uh, you could argue about the hero and who was cast. You can argue about the plot and things of that nature. But it's seemingly the one common denominator in all these films is whether where the villain falls in anything. It's the difference between Spider-Man 2 getting two Oscar nominations and any of the movies that we just watched recently. Getting <laughs> like, none. Getting none. <clears throat> uh, so the idea is that's what we're going to go through. So, uh, uh, so strap in. Because we're starting in two thousand. In two thousand, where were you in the year? 2000. In the year two thousand, I? I was. I was a. Ju- <laughs> I was a junior in high school. Ooh. Starting high school. I think I was in third grade. Uh, oh God, in two thousand, how old I was are you? In- Twenty-five. Oh. I'm ten years older. <laughs> and that'll in do it. Two thousand. Uh, I was. Uh, Notice they said 10 years old. I didn't you said third grade? Oh, no, 2000? no. I guess that'd be right. I'd right. Be, I was in seventh grade. Yeah. In the year Okay, because I was like, really? No, I guess I am that old. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to ask that question anymore. 
because I was in third grade. <laughs> and I was unless unless they're older school. than us, what? If they're on the I'm show and they're older than us. School. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 To you, you yeah, were. I'm, third grade. I'm doing good. <laughs> right? I'm good. We're past our prime, right? <laughs> yes. You're still good. Way past. So in 2000, <sighs> ripening it up in Marvel. So in this instance. Uh, every movie I go through, I'm going to classify it under a certain uh, certain section, certain genre, or certain developer, I guess would be the way to do it. And I will be organizing them all up here. So I have everything kind of organized. Are we, uh, are we and going ready to, to go. display that? I am going to display it. If I can keep benefit. it up there, that would be wonderful. I love it. If we ever um, YouTube video this, he can always just you know do the graphic while he's doing it. Uh, all right. Just don't so, be like, just don't be like Madden used to be like, here, we're going to take it. Let's take a look at the driver window. We're just going to nick skadoodle on people's butts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so in 2000, from Marvel in particular, X-Men, the original X-Men, which of course starred Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Huge Halle Berry. James um, Marsden. Yeah. A bunch of uh, huge. Bob Jensen. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't remember the plot, uh, <laughs> it covers uh, Magneto's relationship with society. Uh, Eric so, Lynch. Uh, real quick. I, yes. I just for, for those that are listening to my understanding, Mego has really seen none, none of, of these. This. Yeah. Like uh, like one or two. <laughs> we wanted a very like, unbiased opinion to like, the plot that she hears and the content. we. Let's, so, let's just let's call it. Have you seen the original X-Men from no. 1999? OK. There, there we you go. go. So it's important that you listen to our uh, plot synopsis here because that's how you're going to make um, kind of your your. And decision. then and then you can tell us whether or not we're blowing shit out our butts. Okay. OK. OK. So here we go. X-Men 2000. In Nazi-occupied Poland, 12-year-old Eric Lencher is separated from his parents upon entering Auschwitz concentration camp. While trying to reach them, he causes a set of metal gates to bend towards him as a result of his mutant ability to create magnetic fields and control manifest and control metal manifesting, only to be knocked out by the guards. In the not-too-distant future, U.S. Senator Robert Kelly attempts to pass a Mutant Registration Act in Congress, which would force mutants to publicly publicly reveal their identities and abilities. Present are Lencher, now going by the name Magneto, and his telepathic colleague, Professor Charles Xavier. Seeing Lencher in attendance, Xavier becomes concerned with how he will respond to the Registration Act. Later in the film, Senator Kelly is abducted by two of Magneto's minions, Toad and Mystique, and is brought to their hideout on the uncharted island of Genosha. There, Magneto uses Kelly as a test subject for a machine powered by his magnetic abilities that generate a field of radiation, inducing mutation in normal humans. Kelly later escapes by taking advantage of his newfound mutation when Rogue uses her power on Wolverine. After he accidentally stabs her in view of her classmates, she is convinced by Mystique, who disguises herself as Rogue's crush Bobby Drake, that Xavier is angry with her and she should leave the school. Having left ahead of Storm and Cyclops, Wolverine finds Rogue on a train and convinces her to return to the school. Before they can leave, however, Magneto arrives and ties up Wolverine. Although Xavier attempts to stop Magneto by mentally controlling Sabretooth, he is forced to release his hold on Sabretooth when Magneto threatens the police who have converged on the train station. Uh, Fellow telekinetic and telepath Jean Grey fixes Cerebro later in the film and uses it, learning that Magneto plans to place his mutation-inducing machine on Liberty Island and use it to mutate the world's leaders meeting at the summit on nearby Ellis Island. Um, 
The X-Men scale the Statue of Liberty, battling the Brotherhood while Magneto transfers his powers to Rogue and activates the mutating machine. As Wolverine confronts and distracts Magneto, Cyclops blasts him away, allowing Wolverine to destroy the machine. He transfers his powers to Rogue and his healing abilities rejuvenate her while incapacitating himself. Professor Xavier and Wolverine recover from their comas. The group also learn that Mystique escaped the island battle and is impersonating Senator Kelly. Xavier gives Wolverine a lead to his past and an abandoned military installation in Canada while Magneto is imprisoned in a complex construct of plastic and is visited by Xavier and Magneto warns him he intends to escape one day and continue the fight. So one thing that should be mentioned is Senator Kelly that wound up being mutated. He does die because the, the mutations that Magneto causes are unstable. Hmm. So do you remember any of the plot he just said? Yeah. Okay. okay. Just okay, making sure. Cool. Yeah. Cause this is, there was a lot of, there was a lot there. There's a lot of stuff in this. And I was, I'm invested in that minute, story. And even and I was kind of like, what, and one of the reasons, and one of the reasons for that, it, it was the first one. There's a lot of yes. world building. Yeah. Well, for a minute there, I forgot who was bad and who was good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Because there's a lot of names which, there. Which, oddly enough, would have been a good plot to a first X-Men movie. But what is yeah. the answer? Yeah. Like, uh, but Mag- Magneto is the... Uh, so Magneto was the villain of the film, yep. of course, played by Ian McKellen, Gandalf the Grey, whatever Mystique you want to is his silent uh, compatriot, despite yes. talking a lot more in the later movies. So I guess, I, I, I guess we should... Uh, let's focus just on, on Magneto. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, what we did the first time. Yeah, is a big aspect of this film. Um, early on, it establishes not only a motivation, but a core aspect of the character because the character lives in in Auschwitz, essentially, for an entire portion of his young life. He Yeah, he experienced the Holocaust, yeah. which then informs how he acts later so on. So when, when humans start coming against mutants, he's just like, well, I've already I've already through. seen what happens when one group is prejudiced against another. I will not live through another Holocaust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he decides to take the fight preemptively against the people that are trying to oppress new, new people. I, so he's bad, but he's just sad. Well, I think this kind of, but this is the interesting part about like us trying to decipher these characters and what makes some of these older films great is because if you look at his plot to like create a machine to turn everyone into mutants, as silly as it sounds, if you really think about it, he's trying to create a world in which everyone is equal in terms of their DNA. Unify. Right. He's trying to unify and anyone weak enough to not handle the mutation doesn't deserve to really be a mutant anyway, which I, I think is where that evil element comes in. Yeah. Like Cause, cause if it was, if it was just, just a, Hey, he didn't know, or he didn't research enough, there's ignorance or stupidity. You could say there. Yeah. Um, but if it's because, Hey, if you're not strong enough to live with the mutation, Oh, well, yeah. Okay. But that's also super hypocritical ah, yeah. because the whole point yeah. 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 I don't even need to say it. Like, yeah. We all get it. <laughs> the whole point of well, the Holocaust in some instances. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, he's worried about oppression against another people. So he oppresses those people. The people. oppressor. Yeah. He oppresses the oppressor. Which then causes oppression, which is the opposite of what he Correct. wants. So, sir, well, what are you it's, doing? It's, it's the opposite so, of what he wants for his own people. Yeah. 
Okay. Right, as long as mutants aren't being oppressed, Magneto's fine. Magneto with doesn't happens. care one way or the other. Yeah, at least that's okay. seemingly the way it comes across. Yes, yeah. in uh, this film especially. Yeah. The my biggest problem with his Cause, plan because I think at one point they tell him Senator Kelly died, and he's like, "Meh." He's like, "Oh, still doing strong it." Enough. Um, that was kind of my problem with his. Like in the beginning, it seems very like. Here's what happens when you <laughs> when the dominant force decides to oppress another one. We can either let it happen or we can militarize. Yeah. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. I'm completely behind that logic, but when it turns into oppressing the oppressor uh, and thinking that's going to work. Do you think it's wrong wrong. or do you think it falls flat? I I just don't think they went into it enough. Like if that was literally, if that was going to be his, his motivation in that movie, then they should have dived into it more. Hmm. Like I, I get that it was, it was already very exposition heavy. Uh, which was the problem well, yeah, with those movies. Yeah, you have movies. to establish. I mean, you got to think uh, that's an Avengers movie, technically, if you think about it. It's just the amount of characters that were in it. A large amount of characters in a short amount of well, time. Well, I mean, think of it. It was an Avengers movie. Yeah. Civil, well, Captain, yeah, yeah, Civil War. I mean, it, it was like a registration. Like yeah. they made a whole movie about it, right? Yeah, I totally know everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, okay. So, so uh, long and the short of it, kind of where do you guys sit? It's uh, funny because I love Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. And I th- I'm i almost positive when we first did this, I had him as quality. Yeah. But now uh, that I, I think, think about... Transfer. Now that I think about... Not the validity, because again, he's 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 an emotionally damaged character from the era that he lived in to where he is where he is when the movie begins mm-hmm. as an old man kind of set in his ways. He's just sad. Well, I think <laughs> there's a lot of anger there. I, too, I, right? I feel differently if that movie took place and it was like Michael Fassbender's. Yeah. Magneto, who's yeah. much younger and somewhat prone to influence. Yeah. Like because he's older. He's set in his ways. This is what he believes. And no one can change. And no one is going to change that. Yeah. He's a product of his environment. Exactly. He's a product of the era that he's in. And I think if I would, if if they would have went into that in terms of his, his, a clear blind spot, which is you can't see that there is another way. This is the only way you think it is. And it's honestly relatively similar to what you grew up in. Or the motivation is similar to what you grew up in. And you're the one who's facilitating this. Um, If they would have went into that more, I probably would have kept him in quality. But I kind of have him as a transfer. Like in my mind, he goes backwards quality towards it. It devolves into basically they needed an excuse for a boss fight. So they did whatever they needed to to speed the plot to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So do we agree? Great motivation in the beginning. I mean, the. In terms of motivation, well, you can't really get true, any stronger. It, it's hard to beat the emotionality of Auschwitz. Of Auschwitz. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's really hard. <laughs> like, I don't sympathize with him. motivations you can do than that. You're a heartless beast. Like, if you can't sympathize with somebody in a in a in in an Auschwitz camp, you have problems. Bad, you have bad problems. Really bad and problems. And you should, you should probably seek help. Yeah. Get a therapist. So that's what Magneto should have done. That's yeah. that's that's what X Men Two should have been is Magneto in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so we so do we agree? We're 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 thinking transfer towards a D bag with powers. I'm in that boat. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way when you were explaining the plot. Okay. Yeah. There we go then. So 
Magneto. Now, fun bit is Magneto is is the primary antagonist in five X Men movies. (laughs) Six? No, six. I think he's in all six. He's a primary antagonist in all six movies. Like X two was well, secondary antagonist in secondary. Well, but yeah, but I mean, he was like in there. Yeah. Um. Which X Men Apocalypse just makes me sad in the pants. I'm sorry. Makes me sad in the pants. If there was a pants sadness meter, it'd be really low. <laughs> for actually, there is a pants sadness meter for guys. <laughs> dot dot dot. Insert ellipses here. Uh-huh. Um, so where do we where do we go from Magneto? So from Magneto, we go to arguably uh, what a lot Bitterman? of people, a, a lot of people have considered the granddaddy of superhero films. Spiderman, the first Spider-Man film. Spider-Man. I'll give Spider-Man something. It was the first time we saw Spider-Man realistically depicted on a screen. Yeah, yeah. Which helped out a lot. And that it looked exciting. like Spider-Man. It wasn't like the X-Men because they hadn't done like the leather suits yet. Like yeah. everybody was used to yellow yellow leotard Wolverine. Is this the Tobey Maguire one? Yes. It is yeah. the Tobey Maguire. I've one. seen this movie. Oh hey! Do we need to synopsize yes. it then? Uh, I might need a little refresher. All righty. It's like a little one. Netflix know? it. <laughs> I can't do I know. A, an entire plot in the Netflix voice. I'll lose my shit. I'll also lose my voice as well. <laughs> you have a Netflix voice? Oh, is that what that was in the beginning? No, no, no. no. I have a. Just do the what? first paragraph and okay. insert the word pal. You know what to do. In a world. <laughs> One, two, you know what to God do. God damn it. I feel like a used bitch. You um, are. Yeah. yeah. Do what we like. <laughs> Do it good. God, God, you beat me to it. I was going to say that. Do it good. Do it, Do it hard. Right. Good. All right. <laughs> you, I, I can see you I'm in sorry. like my periphery. I need you to not laugh when I start because you haven't heard it. You guys, I think, are fine. All right, here we go. High school senior Peter Parker lives with his Aunt May and Uncle Ben and is an out... At, and is a school outcast. On a school field trip, he visits a genetics laboratory with his pal, Harry Osborne, and love interest, Mary Jane Watson. There, Peter is bitten by a genetically engineered super spider. Shortly after arriving home, he becomes unconscious. Meanwhile... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. Quotation. Okay. Unconscious. He becomes unconscious. <laughs> All right. I, oh, my was it? I just like how... how it was, and he's a school outcast. <laughs> he gets bullied every day. Oh my god! So, so the basics of it is the the, the origin story, right? Of yeah, Spider-Man. origin How story. Spider Man uh, uh, gets bit by a radioactive spider. Right. Blah 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 blah. Meanwhile, uh, Norman Osborn, uh, owner of Oscorp, is trying to secure an important military contract. He experiments on himself instead uh, with an unstable performance-enhancing chemical. After absorbing the chemical, he goes insane and kills his assistant, uh, Dr. Strom. Spider-roids. Uh, uh, Spider-roids. Later in the morning, uh, Peter finds he's super strong Goblin and has all these abilities, and he's no longer nearsighted, and uh, um, <laughs> yeah, blah, 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 blah. There's an entire montage where he's like taking off his glasses, and he puts them on, and it's blurry, and he takes them off, and it's not yeah. blurry. And- Business as usual. Great power comes great responsibility. Typical stuff. Uncle Ben dies for like the 60th time. We get it. 
uh, Norman in that movie he dies yeah, for the yeah. sixth time movie, in that movie. In that movie, they just keep killing him. Norman, <laughs> upon time learning of suck. Oscorp's board members planning to force him out and sell the company, assassinates them at the World Unity Fair. Jameson quickly dubs the mysterious killer the Green Goblin. Norman offers Peter a place at his side, but Peter refuses. They fight, and Peter is wounded. At Thanksgiving dinner, May invites Mary Jane, Harry, and Norman. During the dinner, dinner Norman sees a wound on Peter's arm and instantly realizes is his identity. Shortly after he leaves, Norman attacks and hospitalizes Aunt May. Norman reveals himself to Peter, who stops attacking and begs, uh, he begs for forgiveness, but at the same time controls his glider to impale his foe. Sensing the attack, Peter dodges and the glider impales Norman. As he dies, Norman begs Peter to not tell Harry of Norman's identity. Peter takes Norman's body back to his house. Harry arrives to find a costume Peter standing over his father's body. He seizes a gun, intent on shooting Peter, but Peter escapes and hides Norman's equipment. At Norman's funeral, Harry swears vengeance towards Spider-Man, who he deems responsible for his father's death, and asserts that Peter is all the family he has left. Mary Jane confesses to Peter that she is in love with him. Peter, however, feels that he must protect her from the unwanted attention of his enemies. He hides his true feelings and tells Mary Jane that they can only be friends. As Peter leaves the funeral, he recalls Ben's words and accept, accepts his new responsibility as Spider-Man. So, da, da, da. Harry Osborn, played by a very, very smarmy, smarmy actor. Yes. Uh, I mean, look at this James cast. Franco. It's so Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Cliff Robertson, Rosemary Harris, J.K. Simmons. Like, a, a fantastic cast. J.K. Simmons, by far, possibly the best uh, rendition of... Uh, J. Jonah ever? J. Ever, ever. Got his own meme, the whole nine yards. Yes. Uh, I was... Classic J. Jonah. Yeah. But so in this good. film, we get a Green Goblin. I love it. We get a... Uh, the the one thing I was thinking about uh, in this film in particular is we get a real... In my opinion, we get a really good Norm- Norman Osborn. I liked Norman Osborn. I do not like the Green Goblin. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I would say, yeah, we get a really uh, good look at what, what Norman Osborn, like what he starts out as, what is important to him. Yeah. And then the Green Goblin, she's just like, hey, hey, I'm crazy. And not like the cool crazy like Joker was in The Dark Knight. He's more like, I'm like crazy for the sake of crazy. Yeah. And then they're just like, ah, you know what? I'm going to blow people up. Right. And then the attacking Peter and there's there's a there's a beautiful dichotomy that when it's him talking to the goblin head. Yes. Like when he's talking to the mask, like it's a separate person. Mm hmm. Um. That, to me, is interesting. And then they were like, yeah, we're not going to go into that. That, my friends, is schizophrenia. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And, and like, they hinted at it with the mirror sequence. And, you know, he crashes the mirror. And that's where he discovers all the glider technology. And, you know, at, if later on, uh, Harry goes through essentially the same thing. Crashes the mirror, discovers all of his father's glider technology. And kind of figures out, oh, shit. I can be the new goblin. Yeah. Because, right? um, you know, things. But I, for me, I did, one, I didn't like the Green Goblin suit. I thought it was, it was an interesting design that just didn't go far enough. I was very angular and weird. Yeah. And I thought they were like, this looks, looks futuristic. No. And yeah. Um, the, the, the fight, like, it suffers from the same problem every other movie does in that era. Way too much exposition. Yeah. And then boss fight. Boss fight. There's there's a there's a slightly interesting moment after they've done all the necessary exposition to get the character where they need it to be. Like Norman Osborn probably has the amount of exposition that I was happy with. Like 
short exposition came the, here's why he's becoming the green goblin here's why he became the green goblin cool then they give him a couple of moments where it was kind of interesting and then the rest of it was just boss fight he just becomes just a crazy dude with powers with no real motivation like i don't know what his motivation was like why he was doing what he was doing besides the fact that he's just crazy and wants to blow stuff up because he's crazy right he's definitely just crazy but again for, for certain characters that's okay depending on how they're written I would say but, at this point, it's not okay. But yeah, even crazy, like, if it's crazy for the sake of crazy, that's fine. But they hinted at, like, he blew up the other people because they were going to take Oscorp away from him. Yeah. Why would he care at this point? Like, he has all the glider technology. Yeah. And he's obviously not going to be poor. Weird control of power. Like, wanting Again, to, like, if, a power complex. If yeah. they had gone into that. Like, yeah, that's a motivation. Right. Yeah. But, like, we're reading into that. That's not that's yeah. not in the plot. Yeah. You have to assume that that's there. We're yeah. assuming his mental unstable um, instability. And to be yeah, fair, you, no. that's a product of the times it's in. Like that was that was probably one of the better explained villains of of comic bookdom movies at mm-hmm. that point. Like, well, you also have to think that era is is all about. There are people going to the theater who've read these comics, and we want it to visually be a physical reminiscence of what they're used to. And maybe the writing isn't necessarily there. That's where I think they fail on the Rahab or the green goblin front hard though. Cause that didn't look anything like the green goblin from the comic books. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he like purple and green and he's got, he's, it's it like a cloth. scaly. It's, it's much more, um, he rocked like cloth. The best way I could describe it is the like go- goblin in the comic books is almost like, think of the rendition that Christopher Nolan did with, the Joker in the Dark Knight, right? He strips down the character from the way people are used to it. Uh, and it's like bare bones minimum. Like the Joker goes through that film saying, I don't really need a gun. I don't really need armor. I don't need money. I don't really need any of this. I just need to be the Joker. I just need to be the Joker. You could argue that the way the Goblin acted in the film, that there are some similar motivations, just not as strong but then there's also this like obsession with the company, this power complex that I just don't think it meshes really well. If you're going to go with the psychotic schizophrenic character, this obsession with the company, I don't think fits either. Like I said, if they had gone more with the dichotomy between him and Norman, like Norman cares about the company and the goblins like, well, OK, well, I have to make you happy so I can go do the stuff I want. Yeah. If they had gone into that, I'd be much more happy with that movie. Yeah, it would have it would have made a lot more would have made a lot more sense. So, so um, my problem is that he's, to me, he's just a D-bag with powers. Yeah I, yeah, I would say the same thing. All right. Same. We, sorry for anyone who's a big fan of... Uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. I love William Dafoe. I'm going to put that out there. I think he played the part he was asked to play very well. I think it's a product of the times that failed him. Yeah. I will say when I watched that movie, I really liked it. At the time, oh, it was yeah. amazing yeah. because we had nothing to compare it to. Right. And well, that's not true. We had Batman and Robin as the as the latest DC movie to compare it to. And we had we, we don't talk about that. We had X-Men, which was a completely different kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And then which was like you said, was like an ensemble disaster movie, not a not a personable like Sp- Spider-Man is a much more personable superhero movie. Blade is the only other thing that was remotely comic book like at the time. Yeah. Um, but there was comparing it against what it was cut uh, in the air that it was in 
it was a visual spectacle. Spider-Man looked the way it was supposed to. The movie moved, once it got going, moved at a decent pace. My problem was just too much exposition and the villain wasn't given any real depth to what they were doing, which to me makes the end of the movie fall a little bit flat. Yeah. Because if you're going to, if the movie's going to culminate a boss fight, I better be invested in it. Yeah. And when he killed Green Goblin, I was just like, meh. So uh, we're going to continue onward. Green Goblin and our D-bags with powers. At this point, I'm going to go into like quick synopsis. Mm-hmm. Or else we're going to be here for the next like 20 years. So next uh, batter up is. Any guesses? We're looking at. I got nothing. 2000 and the beginning of 2003. Iron Man? No, Not Iron quite. Man is 2008. Oh, yeah, after right, right. after Spider-Man before. Uh, well, I don't want to get into it. After Spider-Man. After Spider-Man, um, 2003. It's not X2. It's not. It's right before um, X2. What was right before X2? Um, Testing the waters here. Daredevil? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Daredevil. Daredevil. Uh, Seen it? Is up next. No. <laughs> okay. Who? Honestly, I didn't even. What, like, Daredevil's a Marvel character? What is that? I don't ben, even ben know. Ben Affleck. What, what, yeah. Bad Daredevil. Yeah. February 14, 2003, directed by Mark Steven uh, Johnson. The budget was $75 million. It made back $179.2 million. So wow. pretty good to say the least. Um, but it features Ben Affleck in the film. Uh, attorney Matt Murdock is blind, but his four other senses function with superhuman sharpness. By day, Murdock represents the downtrodden. At night, he is Daredevil, a masked vigilante, a relentless avenger of justice. When Wilson Fisk, played by Michael Clark Duncan, hires Bullseye, played by Colin Farrell, to kill Daredevil, Murdock must rely on his own senses and search for the conspirators against justice, which may include his own girlfriend, Elektra, played by Jennifer Garner. Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> there was a lot they tried to jam in this movie. Yeah. Um, and at some points <laughs> I think, I think it took itself a little too serious. Um, yeah, but the, the moments though, so like if we're just, let's say we're looking at Kingpin, right? Yeah. Cause we're gonna, we're gonna stay on the villain. Michael Clark Duncan. You familiar with Michael Clark Duncan? I would have to see a picture. Green Mile. Um, Yes. Be- beautiful acting. Michael Clark. Google's our friend. Um, <laughs> My best friend. Uh, so. Kingpin's basically a mob This was boss. The, the him as, as the Kingpin. Yeah, okay, so yeah. that's what I thought. So was. he was, um, he played the Kingpin. For that, I think he, he played that really well. Yeah. Like the, the motivations, everything kind of really worked. I guess this is one of the first times where you actually see that wasn't an ensemble movie that had like two hard antagonists. Yeah. One correct. prime yeah. and one sub. Cause there's another dude, Colin Farrell was bullseye. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I know what you're going to say, go ahead. He's, he's a, yeah. Um, this is the, like, this is Colin Farrell when he was really okay. Taking weird roles. Yeah. Okay. So he, he, he gets really weird. He's got like, he's got like a bullseye carved into his forehead. Yeah. He played it like really manically. Yeah. It um, was, uh, it was very, very over the top. In my but opinion. Michael Clark Duncan, if they were like, I want to play a mob boss that wants control of stuff or play a mob boss that wants control of the city. And that guy's in your way. He played that well. Um, I'm not sure whether technically that makes him a D bag with powers and that's okay. 
I don't think so. I think it like, but they don't really go into why he's doing it beyond the fact that he's like, I'm a mob boss. I want to be a mob boss. And that guy's in my way. Yeah. I think to Jeff's point, they, their attempt at slamming so much into the film lends credence to the idea that if he's a mob boss and then you don't go into it, it's because you thought something was more important. And I don't think the movie is that good that you wouldn't put that in the film. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I think it technically makes him it's a D-bag with powers and that's okay. Yeah. Because they, they were just like, he's a mob boss. And we all know what mob bosses are. Or yeah. what in our head we have. At we least know in, they are. in comics. And that <laughs> yeah. I, I would say he is a D-bag with powers under the stipulation that you don't watch comic book movies very often. Yeah. You have no backstory on who the oh, Kingpin yeah. is. Yeah, the only reason you're invested in it is because you know who the Kingpin is. Is because you know Like, if you were to watch the guy. movie, you would probably not... The Michael Clark's Dunstan rendition of the character would probably be the only reason you would give a shit about Kingpin. Yeah, I, I think the biggest the biggest failure of this movie is that it is like I said, it tries to jam so much lore and history, like in feasibly, and, and I get it. They were trying to make a world, right? They're trying to make. Well, it's the same problem all those sequels. movies suffer from. They're exposition heavy in the front. Yeah, so it's like, oh, here's Daredevil, and we have to have Elektra in it, and we have to have Bullseye in it because those are totally two integral characters in the comic books. They, they've interacted with Daredevil a lot. And then the Kingpin, of course, because that's like a super big villain for him. That's literally who he's fighting with now in the, in the comics right now, the, the comics that they're making. But you don't need all of them. You could have had Daredevil and the Kingpin and then random minions and it would have been fine. Mm. Like season one of Daredevil. Like exactly. season one of Daredevil on exactly. Netflix. Yeah. The, the thing that is unrelated to all this is we had a conversation last week about fan entitlement, uh, which I would have loved to have you on. Cause I think it, it would have been a really interesting discussion. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we talked about where is the line drawn for these fans that are really angry at movies like the last Jedi and Avengers infinity war. And there, there are fans that are frustrated for whatever reason, right. To the point that like actresses, uh, like Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran are like, they've taken themselves off Instagram. They don't want to deal with the haters. <laughs> Where is the line drawn between, uh, you know, the creative content that a company is trying to release and the financial obligation that they have to a paying consumer. Right. And we had a discussion around that, but one of the things that came up, which I think this movie des- deserves a little bit of credit for is we were talking about, in an unrelated conversation, we were talking about Batman and there was an article that came up that said Idris Elba was in the running to play Bruce Wayne. And we all sat here and we were like, Idris Elba would be absolutely amazing in that role, but he will never be in that role and, for and the simple fact. Sad, sad reason that he is black. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, period. It, it, he, he could be the perfect Batman. We don't know. Not that and we, he's we, a better actor, not that he's more experienced, ugh. but just under the simple fact that if he were to play that role, people would walk into the theater and their historical experience with that character would not be able to look at him in that way. Why? And, and yeah, no, that's and like, we said that's the sad part yeah. because the prejudice exists yeah. because the bait like even to the point that comic books haven't even haven't even tried to fiddle around with the idea of Bruce Wayne being anything other than black to or my white. knowledge or, white. Or, or, or white. 
to my knowledge, Kingpin has historically always been white. Now, he's not as predominant of a character in terms of, like, Batman, right? Batman who has his, who has his own comic books. Kingpin's not necessarily the same. But Daredevil just went, we need a really big, intimidating guy. And there's no one big or intimidating like Michael Clark Duncan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they just thrust him into the role, and he played it. Yep. Yeah. And that was it. And no one looked twice at it. Now, mind you, I don't remember watching the movie in the theater. There might have been fanboys who were like, oh, my God, Kingpin is supposed to be white. I love but that I he don't. owned it so well that every fanboy I knew was just like, okay. yeah. Michael Clark Duncan was resoundingly the one thing most people came out of that movie theater liking. Like, yeah. Like, I thought that was great. You're right. That Thinking about that now, like, that's a pretty big risk to take to... To, dra- to drastically change a character to suit the narrative and, uh, that you well, want to tell. Can, can, can you, can you, uh, Merely because of acting ability? Remind me, was Colin Farrell an Irish bullseye? Uh, yeah, he had like a weird accent. Yeah. I, I don't know well, if he was I mean, Irish. Colin Farrell has an accent. He, he yeah. had a weird Period. accent. I don't know if it was Irish or if they were See, trying to say he was coming across I'd as Irish. I'd have more of a problem with that. <laughs> See, that doesn't bother me. I'm like, whatever. If it, Colin if, Farrell if is what just, they want to say. Because I just remember an awkward accent. I don't remember if it was Irish or not. Uh, not that I, I have a problem with like Irish Aussie. accents. I don't know. I am very... But yeah. Um, but I, I think that was, that was... His accent was more distracting than any, you know... Then it, Michael Clark Duncan was perfect uh, in that role. So we're going with what are we saying? It's okay. Or? I think it's a d bag, and that's okay. Okay. And I, I feel bad. So would that make him a transfer? Because he's like, no, because there's a dedicated section that says, "Hey, you're kind of a d bag with powers, but, but that's exactly on, what you were intended that's to be. Exactly for the plot. what you were intended to be. Gotcha. Okay. So like, this is Colin Farrell's. We can kind of penalize you, <laughs> but like that, it I'm is. Sorry, what it is. he looks ridiculous. <laughs> That, and that that reaction, just so so we're aware, is Colin Farrell's bullseye. That was the yes. reaction she just had. <laughs> oh, and while we're on the topic, really quickly of like them changing characters yes. from original, they're making Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel right a woman. Well, was no, that no. In the comic? Uh, so, so, so there is a female Captain so Marvel. There is. There was, so there okay. was originally the first Captain Marvel in the comic books was a male. Okay. Uh, then um, and then Miss Marvel uh, was like kind of like got her powers like from an interaction with him and eventually he died and she becomes, and uh, then years and years later, she, they're like, dude, he's not alive anymore. You don't, you know, you could be that protector of, you know, you could be that hero that he was. And so she takes the name. Gotcha. Yeah. So, to be fair, there was a right. black female Captain Marvel. There was indeed. On, that was on the Avengers, Monica Rambeau. Yep, and she yeah. turned into uh, Spectrum? Something? Some sort of light. Ba- gonna... She had light-based powers, yeah. And but, she was friends with with uh, Carol Danvers. I, I think so, yeah. But there have been multiple female Captain Marvels. Luckily, that's not that's yeah. not deviating too okay. far off. Okay, right? I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, maybe some of the viewers don't know, right? So, yeah. There you go. Um, bullseye. Uh, yeah. Just oh hard D-bag with powers <laughs> Yeah, hard D-bag uh, almost, mean, almost unforgivable I kind of need to really? know what he's like, to look like they As do, a character like, oh, here, here, For oh. real I think, really? he, I think they intended him to be a D-bag with powers And that's okay Like I thought, I think they thought Kingpin was going to be a quality villain And he was going to be the D-bag with powers And that's okay But he just like His entire thing is I like, I like hitting things and not missing uh, that's it wow and then yeah they what? don't even go into that very much 
So I'm I'm kind of on the fence between D-Bag with Powers and, and Almost Unforgivable. Like, I feel like his... We said Unforgivable is a character you can remove from that movie, and that movie only gets better. To your point, you said if they had taken Bullseye out of this movie, Kingpin would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so, because you should have had... <laughs> Mob minions. <laughs> so that is the basis for unforgivable. Unforgivable, like it, you have to, you have to be really bad to get into unforgivable. But it means if we remove you from that film, does your film stay the same or does it get better? I'm also mad at the special effects artist that decided that that was a good look. For Just Tom to carve Rome. a bullseye into his head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's bullseye. Do you know no. what mercenary would do that? Like, hey, we're looking for... He's on an airplane at one point with that on it. Like, I think he covers it up with, like, a hat does, or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, if that ever... Like, even in an airport and, like, too. somebody, something like, okay, pops a, it off his head, they're just like, oh, hey, you're that guy that Interpol's looking for. As a character, like, yeah, he doesn't like to miss targets, but also, do you like to have a target on your own forehead so when <laughs> someone shoots he's you... He's daring people they definitely to be miss. more accurate than him. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't I like it. I think that's, like, a... I'd love to know who made that decision, Character or uh, uh, director? Unforgivable. That's what he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna right. go with director. So I like I I almost feel bad because I think Daredevil gets a bad rap because again in the era that it was in it's not a horrible movie but people look back on that movie and they hate it for some reason. Um, wasn't and, wasn't wasn't that one Evanescence song rule? Oh yeah, <laughs> for that there, movie. there was that was a hard in its soundtrack was the yeah. Everne- was the the montage. Uh, What's the Evanescence? Evanescence, yeah. Evanescence, okay. The popular song? Yeah, the... Wake me up. That one, yeah. So <laughs> it's the montage for... Um, I can't wake uh, up. Daredevil being emo and um, Electra training, right, yeah. I think, in that movie. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think that movie gets a very bad rap. Oh, it absolutely does. After the fact. I mean, like you said, was, it made money. It was yeah. um, it embraced the 90s. <laughs> and in the era that it was been, it was a horrible movie. But um, I feel like Kingpin could have given more room to shine. And Bullseye yeah. Yeah. is, like I said, if you take Bullseye out of that movie, it can get better. Yeah, and that's see, not I on think, Colin Farrell. No, 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 no. I think it's writing. I think that's I think that's the movie and the way it was edited together. Yeah, yeah I think if you take Bullseye out, you then force Kingpin to have to do more. Yeah. And then it, it would force him to be a better villain. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's stay in 2003. Uh, X-Men 2. X. Uh, X-Men United. I, I would say of the original three X-Men movies, possibly my favorite. Okay. Uh, it's I up get, there. You have a special place for X2. You know I, I mean? have a special place in my hate for X2, <laughs> if only because of the way they butchered Wolverine's story. But I can no, divorce I, myself from that enough. I get it. I, I, I would say, as far as the writing of the movies are concerned, yes. I liked it the best. Uh, it's, it's around, it, the, the only movie that, I think it's one of the best movies until you get into the MCU era. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree, yeah. As far as writing, pacing, plot, yeah. motivation, everything. And then... Uh, the only other one that I think even come, that beats it is Spider-Man is 2. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Uh, what does a sad man Magneto do now? <laughs> oh, it's a, not just sad man Magneto. Just, it's also yeah. sad dad. Oh. Sad dad. <laughs> so uh, so May 2nd, 2003 was the release date for the film, directed by Brian Singer. A uh, budget of $110 million, You could argue this is the start of the growth of the big budget film, uh, box office breaking $407 million return. Yeah. So 300 million back. Money, money, money. Uh, 
Uh, when Hugh Jackman started asking for more money per yeah, movie. probably. Uh, Colonel William Stryker. Stryker. Played by Brian Cox. In, in, th- in this in this time. This time. <laughs> uh, a villainous former army commander holds the key to Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman's past and the future of the X-Men. This threat reignites the call for the Mutant Registration Act as Stryker starts a full-out assault on Professor Xavier's mansion, the school, and its students. Meanwhile, after escaping his plastic cell, Magneto proposes a partnership with Xavier and the X-Men to combat this new formidable enemy that they both have a lot in common with. In this film, uh, it... it dives a little deep into family, which I think is uh, something that you would expect from the first film, but it's a little more relevant in this one. Uh, Stryker's son is a mutant who uh, whose psychic powers were so strong it forced uh, he forced Stryker's wife to take a drill to her own head uh, and kill herself. Uh, he uh, causes hallucinations. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so uh, and and it and it shows the the it shows why Stryker has hatred for mutants, especially. Uh, so he winds up basically, uh, I, I guess, incapacitating his son. Yeah. And uses his powers like uh, remove some sort of fluid from his son that he then uses to control other mutants. Uh, OK. Making yeah. him more suggest- susceptible, more suggestion. susceptible to suggestion. Yeah. Suggestion. Got it. Um, um, yeah. Uh, and and so he has a couple mutant minions um, and then he has his son who um, they're trying to get. Lady Deathstrike. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're trying I to know. get Xavier to basically they're trying to uh, his they're, he's using his son to brainwash Xavier and to killing all mutants because he's that. Xavier is that strong mentally yeah. that he could just think kill of the first plot, replace the machine with Xavier, and it's the same thing. God. And it. instead of killing all humans, <laughs> they're killing all mutants. You're killing so all we're mutants. no longer trying to make people into mutants to be all unified. We're trying, we're to, trying to kill This is all the other the side of the kill equation. all the mutants. And then Magneto comes in, and Mystique can sound li- and look like anyone. So she gets the son to try to get Xavier to kill all humans. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Which is remove the machine a, from a the first really film, insert Xavier, yeah. and have people fight over Xavier, essentially. Yeah, basically, yeah. And who wouldn't fight over Jean-Luc Picard? I'm just Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I do love that this was the... Uh, this was the introduction of Nightcrawler into the movie series. Way different than what a lot of people are used to with Nightcrawler. Uh, Nightcrawler is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, so took, it took. So I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I really like that they did bring his religious side to him. Yeah. The tattoos thing, I don't think not, it was necessary. Ritual scarring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They took it well, yeah, yeah. Scarring. It was ritualistic um, scarring. Uh, that, uh, I, I really didn't need that. I loved the whole. You know, from Munich, like that whole, you know, thing that he did, because that's so very Nightcrawler. Yeah, it was played really well. Yeah. um, So villain wise, I'm guessing because we didn't go into Magneto's um, lackeys in the first X-Men film, we're not going to go into the lackeys of Stryker on this one. I will say, though, that uh, Lady Deathstrike is is almost unforgivable to me. And, but I'm, I know that I'm biased on that one because of the the massive amount of storyline she has in the comic books that that movie just ignores, like, and they just gave her extendo fingernails. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, she's literally. That's it. Her your finger her fingernails grow long. That's her entire power. In the oh, comic books, man. she's Wolverine's ex lover. Her dad created the adamantium bonding process. That's in Wolverine's skeleton. She uh, when her dad dies because of Wolverine, she swears vengeance, gets cybernetic implants that causes her arms and le- her fingers to grow into blades, basically. Yeah, like, she becomes a there's cyborg. A, there's yeah. a huge, huge yeah. storyline that they basically just boiled down to. She wears a suit and her fingernails grow. And she's wow. brainwashed. And she's brainwashed. So, but there's there's a massive story there that they were just like, meh, no. So for me, that I, I have a little bit of problem with that. But unfortunately, yeah. she's a lackey and she's never really given any time. The striker. Striker, striker uh, would be your main villain. Quality. Just, yeah, yeah. The good motivation. Uh, good pacing, well thought out, well constructed. Explained I, as well. I mean, you meet his odd, son. Oddly relatable. Yeah. yeah. Like almost relatable. And that's saying something like that's, that's almost Thanosian. So I want to dive <laughs> off that, uh, with you Mego. If you're watching a film like this or any film for that matter, what quality would you look for in a, in a, any character, whether it's a villain or not, that doesn't bring any powers to the table. What do you want them to bring to to your movie? Well, I mean, you have to understand their backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, just from what I've heard with this guy, like, you sympathize with him because his wife literally killed herself because of their son. Like, that's deep. Like, so you... Empathy, I guess being able to sympathize, even though like they're a villain, like you want to feel what you're watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if yeah. you were to put yourself in that in that villain's shoes like or, or that anyone's shoes, what would you do? Right. I'm not saying you would do the same thing, but how would you react? Striker is a bit broken uh, by his experience with mutants. Yeah. Well, so many movies, especially in this era, they put fans in the they put fans in like the roller coaster seat. Right. Mm-hmm. You didn't build the roller coaster. You're just there to experience whatever happens in front of you. Right. There isn't a lot of that empathy. There isn't a lot of that connection. You're just there from set piece to set piece to set piece until everything is done. And then we start getting films where we 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 connect with the hero because the hero is from a certain place or they have a certain personality or they are presented in a certain way. And now we're in this generation where vi- where we are connecting with villains, which is unnatural in what typically should happen, in which movies are saying, no, yes, they are evil, and yes, there is a villain, but we want to see where you draw the line for yourself in 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 what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. What would you do if your significant other killed themselves because of your child? And I try I think they tried to make it seem like because he had a choice over what he showed people. Uh, yeah, but we don't know how, how in control of his power he was then. True, 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 true. Like, but to, to that, like, does it really matter? Like, what's going to stop him from doing that to other people's wives, yep. other people's mm-hmm. mothers? To your own and, mother. And, and, like, and it's right? crazy. And if this guy can, if my own son can make people hallucinate, what's the person next door going to be able to do? What's that person in the state over going to be able to do? Right. Are they going to be able to kill everyone in a state because they have some sort of power they can't control? Yeah. Um, I, it's one of the times like a lot of, when these movies were first coming out, because I was the local comic book guy, everybody kept asking me like, Hey, was this, you know, is it, what hat, like, is this close to the comic books? And I had to be like, no, William Stryker 
is far divorced from his his motivation in the comic books. The motivation in the comic books, he's a religious zealot oh. who believes that humanity deserves to survive and it's God's will that humans should, mutants should die. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's not. He's not. It's Colonel William Stryker um, in the movies, but he's Reverend Stryker in the comic books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty divorced things. from the source material. Uh, and I think it works. Like, it's one of those ones that I'm okay with. I don't know if I needed the military background, but I think they wanted to explain how he knew about military installations and incursion techniques. Yeah. Um, and so I think in it order fit for the, the In order for the invasion on Xavier's base to actually, right. or school to actually work. Especially since these are, like, semi-militant mutants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, like I said, quality. For this Magneto... Yeah, um, I just more of the same. I think it's I think it's one of those ones where it's like I agree with I agree with what he's doing, and then it eventually just kind of dissolves devolves into a boss fight. I feel like I'm doing math here. <laughs> parentheses X one, parentheses X two. Yeah, I think uh, there's no growth in the character. There's no change in the motivation. You don't see anything. It's like, kind of it a just, seesaw. Yeah. Just, just, his experience from the past movie has affected him in no way. The the moments that he has with Xavier in the beginning part of the movie, I love those. And mm-hmm. then again, this one just evolved into. I'm going to kill all the humans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> the humans are dead. Sad Magneto, right? Just, but he's just like, I, I have a plan. We can kill all the humans. And then, sure. Like, there's no, there's no debate over that. There's no conflict. There's no thought behind that. It was like, I would have loved if someone go like, uh, isn't that pretty much what the Nazis were going to do? Like before you were like, Hey, if some of them survive, yay. But this one's just like, no, they're all going to die. Yeah. Right? And I'm okay with that. Could you imagine him in uh, X-Men Apocalypse when he probably wiped out probably a good quarter of the, the population of the planet with the massive amount of damage he did? But, um, <laughs> but can you imagine if he killed, what, mutants were one out of ten people back then? Yeah. If he were lucky? So he would kill nine-tenths of the world's population like that? That's worse than Thanos. Yeah. With less motivation. Yeah. 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 Actually, you're right. His motivation you know is basically hatred. Or right. oh, this is or the next one. fear. Or fear. Yeah. This is the it's next one. Fear yeah. motivated by hatred. Woo! <laughs> oh, sad face. Yeah. These all three of these movies were at the same time. They were all. That's crazy. 2003. This was actually June 17, 2003. Just so you know what we're looking at, we're looking at Hulk. The Eric, original one. The Eric original, Bana. Not the Incredible Hulk. Not the Ed Warner one. We're looking at the Eric Bana one. Eric Bana. Have you seen this one? No. Okay. It's best that you June, haven't. June uh, 17, 2003, directed by Ang Lee. The budget was $120 million. The box office, oh. $245 million. It made its budget back. Can, can I can I tell you the my least favorite word of this movie? Huh. Nanomeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's a name? Hyperfuel. Hyperfuel. <laughs> it's, um, it's 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 a it's semi MacGuffin. It's so. it's just a word they use instead of using any actual terminology to make it sound more comic booky. Instead of being like gamma radiation, uh, instead of actually okay, so instead of in the comics, um, he creates a gamma bomb, uh, a bomb made that uses gamma radiation, gamma and he gets caught in the explosion. In I guess in 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 kind of growing up and changing the story a little bit, they wanted Bruce Banner to seem, I guess, more likable, and so he's researching gamma radiation in order to, uh, in in combination with these nanomeds for medical research purposes. 
So the reason at it, least that's what he believes. In the comic books at the time, the bomb we we were making bombs to defend America. Like we were testing bombs around around that time because of war. Like we were afraid <laughs> of what like the Russians would do or whatever. So it made sense in the comic book era. Now, if you were like, "Hey, he's working on a gamma bomb," he'd be like, "No." <laughs> That's no. not cool. Yeah, no, that's what that that's what militant countries do that want to bomb America because we have the largest nuclear stockpile. That's not yeah. something we do. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Eric Bana stars as scientist Bruce Banner, whose inner demons transform him in the aftermath of a catastrophic experiment. Jennifer Connelly plays Betty Ross, whose scientific genius unwittingly helps unleash the Hulk, as Nick Nolte, who plays Banner's brilliant father, father passes on a tragic legacy to his son. Meanwhile, Sam Elliott portrays the commander of a top-secret military research center hell-bent on capturing the Hulk. I'm Sam Elliott. <laughs> um, the casting in this movie, great. I'm going to give it that. Um, Sam Elliott? I, hate, I actually really did not like Eric Bana. I didn't mind Eric I Bana. I feel like he Bruce. has the personality of a paper plate. I don't I don't think in this movie in this I'm not movie gonna say, again I don't think that's him I think that's the directing like yeah, I don't think I, that's Eric Bana Eric Bana at this point could act no yeah no no I'm not so saying I, Eric Bana I'm just saying his character in the movie has the okay. personality of a paper plate yeah well poor Eric Bana um but <laughs> is that uh, what it looks like yeah in the movie yeah, yeah. remember wow. CG wasn't the best then Really, yeah. Um, uh, so um, let's talk about our villains. The we villains, though, Sam Elliott as a subvillain, and then Absorbing Man, uh, <laughs> Nick Nick Nolte as Nick Nolte. his father. So his father uh, apparently was experimenting on him when he was a kid, which is what allows him to become the Hulk. And then he does the same kind of stuff on himself, but instead of turning into the Hulk, where they said Hulk absorbs energy and then uses it to increase his mass. Uh, Nick Nolte absorbs energy and absorbs the properties of the things he's touching. So if he's touching steel, he becomes steel-like. If he's touching mm. electricity, he becomes electricity-like. If he touches plastic, he becomes plastic-like. Um, and Sam Elliott, uh, Thunderbolt Ross, is just a military indivi- individual that wants to harness the power of Hulk for military use. Got it. So and those if, are the two bad if, guys. And if unable to do that, kill him. Kill it. Right? So um, also... Th- Thunderbolt Ross is also the father... Of uh, his of, girlfriend, of, of Hulk's girlfriend, yeah, Betty Ross. So okay. Thunderbolt Ross, Betty Ross, Betty Ross. Um, so, uh, the Absorbing Man, um, bad dad, bad dad. I want to say they showed a lot. They showed. Uh, I actually, I'll, I'll be completely honest. The flashback scenes. So they show flashbacks as to to his uh, to the Hulk's to Bruce Banner's issues, like his mental issues. And one of them is a scene where his father is very obviously, I believe, physically abusing his mother, like yeah. beating her. And it is actually a kind of scary scene because yeah. you're seeing it from the view of a child. And then you see, like, he turns around, and it's like this big monster, but he wasn't at the time. He was just, for He's a kid, a- he was a big monster. Okay. Right. Um, um, and I and I I lend I, I say that was a that was a watching it. That's a disturbing scene. Leave it that. I'm, yeah, but for but but I'm not for saying every disturbing scene is like the scene uh, of Hulk in broad daylight running across the desert. <gasps> and it just <laughs> looks really bad. I yes, think they were yes. hoping to capitalize on the same kind of thing that Spider-Man capitalized on, where it was this the, is the first time you the see the first hero. time you're seeing Hulk, and then they were like, I think they were like, ah, we can skip on the writing. Um, 
I mean, there's an entire scene where he's fighting Hulk dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the like. <laughs> there is. I'm not kidding. There's do- Hulkified Hulk dogs dog. that are hunting him. What? One bites him in the groin. One like, there's a funny moment. One with two heads. One bites him in the groin. He rips the dog off his nuts and then punches the dog in its nuts <laughs> and then drops it. And there's another one where it bites him in the shoulder, so he just flexes his shoulder muscles until he breaks the jaw, the dog's oh, mouth. Geez. And it was like, I think they thought that scene was going to be really cool. Yeah. And it just wasn't. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's focus on the, the villains. Like it, well, I want to. So his father was just a wretched human being uh, yeah. with no like uh, obvious mental issues. I mean, but that's you had Nick Nolte. So I guess that's what you get. Yeah. But, Accurate. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't really think there's any like his father was experimenting for the sake of experimenting. You don't really. Yeah, I don't. I uh, I would say they're they tr- they were setting something up that would have been interesting and then just kind of like the abuse what he was doing with the kid there was there was I think there was there's there's a nugget of potential there I'll, and I'm, then it ju- and then it seriously just evolved like there the moments where he's like hey you're my son but is that we positive enough to keep him in I to no. put him in transfer he's a d bag with powers no I yeah I'm, I would say I'm he's kind a of in the d bag with powers right. so my thing is. Brian, if at the end of the movie, instead of turning into Absorbing Man, he turned into a Hulk of his own? No. <laughs> also, his name is really lame. Again, I think it just... Absorbing Man? Absorbing Man. Well, he's never actually called that. In the oh, movie, it's just movie. who he is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they... I think they... In somewhere, like in the credits or the description, they call him the Absorbing... He becomes an Absorbing Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Thunderbolt Ross? Um... I, he's the, I think he's the D-bag with powers, and that's okay. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's a D-bag, and that's okay. He's probably that's what he was intended to be. Like, he's given orders. He, he has ambition, and he doesn't care what his daughter thinks. He's a military man. Yeah. Uh, and epitome uh, played by uh, Sam Elliott, who I've seen in a ton of army movies, a uh, ton of, ton of um, westerns as well. Uh, it's just the epitome of a, of a tough guy. He's a man. A manly man. A manly man. <laughs> a manly man can. Right? So, um, <laughs> so I, but yeah, that's kind of just the boat they're in. Like, he's he's designed to be a military, a military antagonist for Hulk, and that's, that's and what he, he does. He, he does, does it, it well. And Sam Elliott plays that well. So I'm not going to fault Sam Elliott with that. The, um, I will say I do like that Jennifer Connelly was redeemed from this movie by being the voice of Spider-Man's suit. Yes. True. Friday. Or Karen? Karen. Uh, Karen. Karen, yeah. Friday was, Friday was Tony's suit. Fri- yeah, that was... She, she's the... After, uh, after he lost Jarvis. All right, so... Uh, we, after Hulk, Fantastic Four? It's a good guess. Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. Oh, okay, yeah, same era. 2004, My right? favorites of the original Spider-Man trilogy. So, here's... I her- think this, this should be unarguably most people's favorites. <laughs> I can't remember if I watched this one. So, uh, listen to the synopsis me, if it starts to sound rundown. a little bit familiar. Spider-Man 2 was released June 30th, 2004. Okay, it was two years before I graduated high school. That's when I graduated uh, high school. Uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, $200 million uh, budget. $783 million made back on the film. So, 
big deal for them. It was a good movie. Uh, this <laughs> this Spider-Man, uh, most notably, there's a scene where you see Spider-Man's suit and you can see abs, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but in either instance, when a failed nuclear fusion experiment results in an explosion that kills his wife, Dr. Otto Octavius, played by Alfred Molina, is transformed into Dr. Octopus, a cyborg with deadly metal tentacles. Doc Ock blames Spider-Man, played by Tobey Maguire, for the accident and seeks revenge. Meanwhile, Spidey's alter ego, Peter Parker, faces fading powers and self-doubt. Complicating matters are his best friend, uh, James Frango's hatred for Spider-Man and his true love, Kirsten Dunst, sudden engagement to another man. Dun, dun, dun. Drama. Uh, uh, Spider-Man 2, uh, most notably known as the, uh, if Spider-Man is the granddaddy of, of comic book films in this generation, Spider-Man 2 is, 2 is known as the best granddaddy, the favorite granddad. Uh, like I said, I think it's the only one in this era that had solid, solid storytelling. Like mm-hmm. Sam Raimi owned the direction, the character, like the most relatable villain. Yeah. In comic book movie dumb. In a ever. long time. I can't think of any comic book movie where it has a more relatable villain. Maybe P- Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. Yeah. Because of the, yeah. f- the emotional trauma she was put into for that movie. Yeah. But but Alpha Merlina, like he, he's just trying to get his wife back. Yeah. Like to to put his life in order. And then like there's a little bit of crazy that goes with that, but they kind of play into that where they're just like it's a the the, the byproduct of the machine. Of the machine that was attached to him. So, so have you seen this one? I I think I, I remember the the weird metal arms. So they're using he uses the arms as kind of like um kind of like extra hands to help him in experiments, right? Right. And when the accident happens, there's an in, they make it very known early on that there's an inhibitor chip in the arms so they don't mess with the brain of the person who's using them. And that inhibitor chip like gets destroyed. And so these brains can or these um, arms can actually kind of influence him. Gotcha. Just as much as he influences them. Um, and that's like that that's why like the last scene with him in it where he actually saves the day. Spider-Man does not save the day in this movie. You could argue that Spider-Man fails hard, hard. in this movie. Yeah. And Doesn't he like kill himself? Like he, he saves the day and he sacrifices himself. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. And he, and he says, I'm, uh, I believe it's, I'm not a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And totally like, seen this. Like that was powerful. Totally. When yeah. I first saw that, he yeah. goes, I'm Quality. not a monster. Right. So, and, uh, it, this is, I think, like the last movie where we didn't see the two villain archetype for a while. Yeah. yeah. Where every movie had to have Multiple two separate villains. antagonists yeah. for the movie. This movie was like, nope, just Doc Ock. Uh, I, I guess there was kind of like some sub-antagonism with uh, J. Jonah in the, the Bugle. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the, the love interest thing with with oh, Mary yeah. Jane was kind of seen as an as a antagonistic plot element. Battling I, I do say uh, they did a retread of uh, something with the villain though, and that is the villain actually kind of like likes Peter in his civilian form, like oh Peter Parker, good kid. Yeah. And then you know oh Spider Man, no Spider Man, bad. You know, um, I, I thought that was a retread, but it was definitely much. It was used to much more effect in this movie. 
where when he sees that it is Peter Parker, he's like, oh, shit. Well, I think if we look at the progression of how directors started treating secret identities, like part of it, you can you could laugh at the fact that in each of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, everyone knows who the fuck Spider-Man is. (laughs) Everyone Everyone figures out. Everyone minus like Aunt May is the only person who doesn't <laughs> poor, really poor, poor Aunt, Aunt May. Uh. But like everyone figures out that that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and it, it becomes like this. It, it gets to the point that when the MCU comes around, they kind of go, yeah, secret identities don't matter. Yeah. Uh, which I think is kind of funny. Thanks to RDJ. Yeah. But Alfred Molina is... Hands down. Quality he, through and through. Yeah. The acting, the pacing, the plot, the motivation, everything. And like I said, even that like kind of moment where he starts to go a little bit crazy. They they manage to explain they they set it up and they explain it in movie. Yeah. And uh I he he brought a, a a gravitas to to a villain. Oh yeah, that was solid. Who could casting. have totally been a silly uh villain. Um same thing with the guy that cast is striker. Like mm-hmm. really, like oh, Brian Michael Clark, Clark, Cox, right? Brian Cox, Michael Clark Duncan is like the kingpin. Like they're casting like solid, solid, like good casting for actors, heavy actors in their prime in that era. Look at look at Brian Cox. Like other things he's done when he was in, he was in Troy. I yeah. mean, he's done a lot of good movies. He's done some fun and some not so good movies too. But eh, you're an actor if you're prolific enough. You've done some bad stuff. You're an <laughs> actor if you're prolific enough. Um, I want to ask you real quick before we move on uh, to the next film. Um, Spider-Man 2, uh, there's a heavy influence going into the new generation with Spider-Man 2 kind of at the centerpiece of, of everything. Would you argue that up to this point, and you, have, you guys have more of a knowledge basis on what's come before, would you argue that Dr. Octopus is the, is the, is the bar? I, I think that set the bar for the MCU. Yes. Like yes, when I they agree. when they saw Doc Ock, they were like, that's what movies could be. Like we can tell quality stories with quality villains that don't come across as campy and mm-hmm. boss fighting near the end of it. Like that set piece, like you said, when he sacrifices himself to save everybody, like that didn't come across as like a pointless boss fight. That came across as like a scene in a movie. Yeah, that, like that like, should be happening. And like that, I'm not a monsters thing, you know. Like even to the end, like you relate to to Doc Ock. Like, um, I mean, we'll you, we'll get to it eventually too. But like the the with Wonder Woman, I love that movie, but the end of it just turns into a boss fight. Yep, and that's really disappointing to me. Apocalypse, apocalypse. Well, I didn't really relate to apocalypse at all through that movie. They didn't well, do anything. No, other no, well, yeah, no one did. But it's a boss fight throughout the whole thing. Right. Yeah. It's like so. Like if if you're putting a villain in just to be a boss fight, I don't want the villain in the movie. Yeah. All right. So what's the next one? So, 2005. Brian, you have graduated by this point. You're thinking about what to do. With I'm the rest graduated of your life. before Spider-Man Two comes out. Graduated oh. high school. Middle school. High school. 2004. Yeah, I graduated uh, 2005. Yeah. I, gra- I graduated so, college. So Early you're June you're in college right now. You're in you're an illustrator, I'm up out. and coming. You're trying to you're drawing away. Yeah, I'm in I'm in three different drawing classes and, and a painting course. And while you're history courses, drawing away, trying to you know do your thing and 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 get everything situated. Along comes a film that tries to to get fanboys to uh, to geek out in a very um, sexual sense. Oh, okay. Right. 2005 brings around Electra. 
Uh-oh. Oh, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. No, this, this movie's bad. It's bad. So, Electra was in Daredevil. Electra was Played in Played by um, Jennifer Garner. Okay. Who, uh... Great actress. Not the right ethnicity, but hey, you know, let's... Whatever. That's what it is. We hey, she could have Greek in her background. I don't know. She could, she could, she could. Um... Okay. <laughs> January 14th, 2005. It's directed by Rob Bowman, uh, based on Electra by Frank Miller. Uh, the movie budget, $56.7 million. The box office, unknown. Unknown? <laughs> yeah. Great. Unknown. Uh, uh, just, just, so you, just so you're aware, I hope you know that saying that it's based off Frank Miller does slight Frank does Miller. Slight. <laughs> Frank Miller feels a little bit bad. Feels a little bad about this. <laughs> Assassin for Hire, Electra, played by Jennifer Garner, works for a mysterious international organization known as The Hand, for which she kills her targets without question. And in a conspicuous red bustier, no less, when The Hand asks her to kill Mark Miller... Is that is that in that? Oh, yes. <laughs> it mentions her bustier? bustier? Oh, yes. Oh, good. Oh, yes. Let's continue. Let's continue. When the hand asks up. her to kill Mark Miller and his daughter uh, while they're on holiday, Electra's conscious ki- conscience kicks in and she decides to protect her targets rather than eliminate them. Of course, the hand isn't so willing to let them off the hook. Um, I honestly don't remember the villains in this movie's names because there was gonna go four with the of them. Hand. The hand. We're just going to say the hand as a whole. OK, um, but she works for the if- hand. She did. She, she was an assassin for the hand, and she was that in the comic books. So I'm okay with that. It's kind of a weird jump point from Daredevil to hand assassin. Yes. Like, I don't think they, they made that connective <laughs> tissue. It sounds like she kills hands. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Killer for the hand. Killer for the hand. Um, so the so hand killer. I want you to talk about this real quick, because you could argue new generation Marvel fans love this now it's a crossover film features an actress from another movie in the same universe crossover film not a crossover film you mean like I mean like a continuity film a continuity film features an actress from the same film picks up wherever it does in the timeline of Daredevil the character is influenced by her interactions with that character Earlier on, you would think people love this. Uh, what is wrong with this film? Well, one. Oh, uh, oh, so many things. The problem is, is that connective tissue. Like she goes from um, Ambassador's daughter in Daredevil and to having been trained to defend herself as an Ambassador's daughter uh, to Hand Assassin. Uh, someone who assassinates hands, apparently. A killer of hands. Killer of hands. A killer of hands. Um, so. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the R.I.P. Right. <laughs> um, but so that like that connective tissue. How do we get from point A to point B? I, and fun thing is, uh, I find it interesting that I argue that a lot of times movies should just drop us into an already established world and let us figure it out. Um, this is one of those times where if they had just dropped us into her being a hand assassin, I'd be okay with that. But they dropped us into her being an ambassador's daughter who knows, knows how to defend herself. And then some odd amount of time later, suddenly is a killer of hands. Um, I'm, just gonna call I, I'm pretty on. sure that Daredevil would not approve. 
Probably wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but it, like that moment, like I don't know how we got from point A to point B. I think they mentioned in the movie like she did die in Daredevil One. Correct. And so they brought her back, and in so doing, made her a hand assassin. Correct. Um, but so, that's just that's just not there for me. The 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 if you're gonna make a, a movie universe that bridges two things, make it bridge two things. And uh, I'll be completely honest. Uh, along with Brian, uh, their villains are extremely forgettable. Like I said, I can't. I I remember the characters. I remember there's, there's, there was a big dude. There was a quick dude. There, what, there was there, a, there's one chick all called, in the same. New, there's movie? one. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they were like assassins. They were they okay. were like there was a big were they, dude. There was they a were the quick assassins dude. that one, were almost as good as her. There was one called gotcha. Typhoid, who I think was a play on Typhoid Mary. I think so, but she, but she actually gave people diseases. Yeah, yeah. So that was the girl, oh, okay. right? That's, um, that sounds not good there at was all. The, like I said, there was the big dude. Diseases. There was a fast okay, dude. she didn't sleep with a... them. That's not. <laughs> I'm just. I it's mean, not how she gave. Not like her name is syphilis, right? Oh, her name man. is typhoid. Um, her name is. Her name um, is not herpes. It's typhoid. Yeah, if the, her name was herpes. Yeah, that'd be a good one. So, does the hand not have a backstory? Really, he's just a dude that like. Well, the hand's, hand's an organization. Organization. Yeah. It's an organization. They're uh, they're a bunch Tall of ninjas. Tall dude, fast dude. Got it. Okay. Yeah, they're a bunch of they're a bunch gotcha. of ninjas. And you notice that like they didn't really even in a synopsis. There's no. <laughs> You're just jumping right there. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even talked about it. He's like D-bag with powers. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, like, even in a synopsis, it wasn't like leader of the hand. It was the hand. Uh, very forgettable. Very generic. Can I uh, um, exposit for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. In that the way I would have done this film that would have been different from the way they would have done it is... I would have made it like um, I keep wanting to use the example of John Wick, but that doesn't make sense. Like, imagine if the movie was an hour and a half long, like a John Wick film. Yeah. Same plot, except the entire film takes place in the house. It is. It is a. It is her trying to keep them safe. Her trying to keep them safe for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It big is one up. event. Get rid of all the backstory. Get rid of all that stuff. Just pick up from where Again, Daredevil if left. You off. could literally even have the same villains. I wouldn't suggest it, but yeah. you literally could, and it would probably be better. Yeah. Um. You, you know what? I I would almost in the Electra movie. I would almost put the hand in there as unforgivable. Really? Yeah. Like it's one of those ones. Like I might have enjoyed that movie more if the hand hadn't been in it. I don't know how I would have enjoyed it more <laughs> uh, because no there would be no all. villain. It would just be her not killing a little girl. <laughs> she kills a little um, girl. No, she did not. No. Uh, oh, right, he, but there's no one to, to kill she's them. So. She's, she's contracted to to kill so Mark it's, Miller. It's her. It's her showing up going. I changed my mind and then leaves and that's yeah. it. And that's <laughs> right. The movie. And so they that's keep, why. it's recurring that she, there's like supposed to be like a love interest with the dude. And, um, Which I she, will give this movie something. It introduces stick who I yeah. never thought would be in a movie. What's stick? stick is a, uh, member <laughs> of the, a former what stick is a former member of the hand. Um, who's blind but arguably one of the greatest martial artists in the D- in the Marvel universe. He okay. trains. Um, he trained Daredevil. He trained Wolverine. Wolverine and um, Elektra. That's right. Point. So like Stick is a is a is a really sub character in the comic books that to like I went into that movie. I watched this in the movie theaters. Ugh. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. it just makes my geek hurt. 
But and, how were uh, her outfits? But again, <laughs> feel free to disagree with me on that uh, on the unforgivable side of things. So like I said, it, it, it is tough to say unforgivable, oh. if only for the fact that, yeah, look at that. I would say they're un- um, unforgettable because they're forgettable. Like, I, 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 I remember that movie, and I, can't, I can only remember, I think, like two scenes that the bad guys were in. Hyper, and I remembered hyper, one more because of um, Side talking about typhoid. Very, very hyper-sexualized. Uh, I mean... Well, to be fair, a, com- a combo costume is too, and this is yeah. one of the points where they were being way too literal to the comic books. Yeah, yeah. very um, true. It, but most, a lot of comic book movies suffer from that to a degree. I, the costume design, whatever, I, you know, I think is, is dumb, but... Is dumb, but... Is a dumb butt. It's a dumb butt. I think it's dumb a dumb butt. butt. I, I don't know. I can't. Hmm, I wonder what's next. I can't be too too angry at it. All so. right. So so going into the next one. So so we're agreeing unforgivable. That's yeah, what we're saying. Yeah, I would say yeah. Unforgivable. Have you heard anything that makes you want them? That you think that makes I mean, them redeemable? They seem stupid. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with you there. Okay. Great. <laughs> Great. I'm, yeah. I'm not inclined to argue okay, with you. But can I just say, I know this is unrelated, but whenever I hear the word unforgivable, I think of that YouTube video back in like the 2000s of that guy talking about waffle fries. Waffle fries? Okay, I'll show you guys later. Everyone look it up. It's great. <laughs> waffle fries, unforgivable. Unforgivable. Waffle fries. Waffle fries. And I promise it's not what you expect. Okay. It's I'll take your word for it. It's great. It's great. So next is... Uh, we're still in 2005. Brian has gotten over his uh, sexual obsession with Electra. <laughs> I... I'm still in middle school. Mego is still in, is still, still <laughs> oh, in wow. middle school. Man. I've graduated tomatoes. college. You've graduated. <laughs> uh, we are looking at Fantastic Four. One of the first comic book films to be over two hours long. Oh, like yeah. this is where we start our incline feels of like comic book timing. Uh in which very few films were over two hours, but now we are. I, th- I think this is around the time where they were trying to to make blockbusters. Yeah. Like Spider-Man accidentally was a blockbuster. Spider-Man 2 was kind of intentionally a blockbuster. This is where they were like, we can make blockbusters. Yeah. Especially given the what? $600, $600 million increase on. Spider-Man 1 to Spider-Man 2. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, Fantastic Four, July 8th, 2005, uh, directed by Tim Story with a budget of $100 million and a box office of $330 million. Uh, scientist Reed Richards persuades his arrogant former classmate, Victor Von Doom, to fund his experiments with cosmic energy. On Von Doom's space station, the crew, including astronaut Ben Grimm, researcher Sue Storm, and pilot Johnny Storm, are exposed to a mysterious cosmic storm that bestows superpowers upon them. As they cope with their transformations, Victor Von Doom, who is damaged in the blast, Vows his revenge. You said storm a whole hell of a lot in that. I did, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of stormy weather here. Thank you. You're welcome. So they have powers. They got yes. powers from an experiment they did. Um, so yeah, so you have, there's the Fantastic Four. Yes. It's Reed Richards can stretch. Can we make that bigger? Yes. Yeah, so Reed Richards can stretch. Okay. That's where the big hand is coming towards you. Um, Sue Storm can turn invisible. Uh, so you have Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, or Invisible Girl, depending on how you want to go. But I think Elizabeth Alba is unarguably uh, just Jessica. Jessica, Jessica Alba She's is unarguably a woman. A woman. Uh, 
and the thing, Ben Grimm, made uh, is just made out of rock. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure how he pees <laughs> or poops. Sorry, that's a really uh, shitty But I believe... Power. It's dust. <laughs> It's so is he like it's super dust. strength? Is that like yeah? Yeah. Okay. So he's really right. strong. He's hard. He's really durable. And then uh, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, can light himself on fire so and fly. You currently know him as Captain America. But this is basically the Incredibles minus the Sun that goes really fast. Cor- the Incredibles are basically Fantastic Four. The Incredibles is loosely okay. based plus off the Keep Sun mind, that goes really Megan's fast. In, Megan's in middle school yeah. for this movie. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so Incredibles, Incredibles is, is the only point of reference. Is the only point of reference <laughs> yes. at the moment. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. What's happening? Um, so <laughs> your villain, Victor Von, Von Doom. Doom. There's. Yeah. Uh, it was a single villain too, wasn't it? It was. So it was, it was, it was yeah. just Victor just Von Doom. Doom. Oh yeah. Little obvious. Like yeah. Very arrogant, rich dude. And so, no, uh, no uh, shell game, no uh, hidden card trick. Victor Von Doom is your villain. He's an asshole from the beginning. Is he just a white dude with too much money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, it's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, they go into it a little bit in the second one that he's kind of like he he owns a country. So like he's he's the okay. the hereditary heir of an entire country Over named Latveria. Um, but in this one, he just gives them money. They go up in their little space station and have their little fun with an experiment. He doesn't like Reed Richards because Reed Richards is smarter than him, um, and he covets the one female in the movie. Oh, this guy's terrible. Yeah, he's a d bag um, with powers. Terrible stuff. I'm I'm in the d bag with powers. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, there's no like at least in the comic books. In the comic books, Victor Von Doom is very smart, on par with Reed Richards. Um, he is the ruler of his country. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, I don't know. I don't live there. Um, but uh, he he's a villain, and he his motivations are a lot better in the comics. Here it's just that's your question now. What? Can I ask you a question? Then? Yeah. Could you make an argument that he is a D-bag with powers and that's okay? He does everything he's supposed to do in that movie. I. You're never presented with anything other than what Victor Von Doom is. No potential. No. There's no deeper plot. There's no anything. He he's is a, a white he's guy just, with he, a shit ton of money. He sounds like a jealous prick. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he and he never changes from that. But it's that. not like he's a jealous prick with like a damaged past who, you know, we expect something better from him. But it's he's, he's a like, jealous prick. He's and like that's exactly what he played. He's like, I'm I'm a smarmy dude. I think she's hot. I want all the money and power in the world. The the accident happens, he gets powers, he still a smarmy dude who thinks that girl's hot has a lot of money. He just has powers. He now. just has powers now. What's his power then? It being um, eh. he turns metal and has electricity fingers. Yeah. He gets Ew. he gets metal esque. Yeah, and then he and then he can manipulate electricity. Okay. Uh, in the comic books, his powers are technology and magic. Yeah, yeah. like he has a suit. <laughs> think think like maybe Iron Man esque suit. Okay. Um, not quite, but but similar. also magic. But and he mixed with magic. like Doctor Strange. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I've seen he, that one. <laughs> every time, every time I've point. had to explain that to people when I'm, they're just like, "What?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, his his powers are magic." And they're like, 
Isn't what? That powers are? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Science magic. So, so that's my point. I couldn't you argue that. I, I don't know if that's okay, though, because he's some spoiled. It's, it's, not, it's not okay we, from a. From a. From, from a, a us point. From a us perspective. But from the universe. I'm from what they gave to us. Then, yes. Okay. In the movie. Is there really I don't, movie I don't know. I think they but felt like think... there would be more to that. Like, it isn't like Ajax. Did they? Like I, I think they, I think they intended it to be, like that that plot. If Doom is the the major motivating factor for what's happening in that movie, um, the what sh, what probably like because he sucks. The the primary antagonistic thing becomes their inability to function as a family. Yeah, that's the major anti and like, and that's that's a good plot point. But it's just overshadowed by Doom. I'm, I'm Doom. Right. I don't think that. I think he's just a deep bag with power. I don't think it makes it okay or unforgivable. I think he's just right in the middle. Okay. Deep bag. I I can kind of see where you're coming from, Joe. I, I, I definitely see I'm, where you're coming from. And I'm I'm on the fence, but it's really hard for me not just to call him a deep bag with powers. Okay. Doctor Doom. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I was there. With I tried you. to. I, I, I just wanted to add a little bit of spice to the conversation. Okay. <laughs> I. I <laughs> no big works. deal. So what's uh what's uh, what's our next one? So what we're getting next is uh, <laughs> Brian is still still in college. Uh, he's still trying desperately to figure out uh, how he wants to illustrate things. It was fine. I don't know. Well, fun bit was I was I was I wasn't allowed to take the illustration classes. Why? I had to audit them because I was in the fine arts department. What? Fine arts, visual communications was illustration. Fine arts was painting. That's stupid. So I was in the fine arts department because I didn't I didn't know if I would suck at art, and so I still thought I might transfer into physics. Oh, okay. Um, no, so no, I le- I legitimately did like I. Everyone else that was in the art department had been doing it since. Okay, they were. so if oh, I was a, if, if the, the other on, movie that on, makes my hey, geek my birthday. If I was a vampire uh, and you present and you had to present something to me that was religious symbol esque that would make me go, <sighs> it'd be this movie. <laughs> there's there's two movies around this era that make my geek hurt: Electra and this one. Okay, this one really, really just. The nerd portion of my brain when I saw this just exploded with a white hot fury that cannot be contained. Well, seventy percent of people disagree with you. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> um, I, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Doesn't mean they're right. Uh, Doesn't mean they're wrong. We're talking, of course, about X Men: Last Stand, the finale of our X Men trilogy that we've covered up to this point. So, little little fact about the second X Men movie. All right, just put this out there for you. Because uh, you'll probably read the the, sure. the uh, thing. But Jean Grey, one of the good guys, dies at the end. Oh. So there we go. And <laughs> Oh. What is her power? She was the telekinetic. She's, uh, she's telepath- telepathy and uh, telekinesis. So yeah. she can read people's minds and, and she can move stuff. objects with her mind. Yes. Uh, and in this one, it manifests as a split personality. Correct. Well, that- and then uh, let's get it. Well, I guess we should get into that plot. Because of the villain? Well, you'll see. You'll, okay. you'll see. Uh, so May 26, 2006 is when the movie came out. Uh, directed by Brett Ratner. Uh, it made $459 million. 
in the box office, so pretty high. Uh, The discovery of a cure for mutations leads to a turning point for mutants. They may now choose to give up their powers and become fully human or retain their uniqueness and remain isolated. As war looms between the followers of Charles Xavier, who preaches tolerance, and those of Magneto, who advocates survival of the fittest, a dark power begins to manifest itself within the body of Jean Grey. So she she basically returns to life and is like, I'm evil. Oh, yeah. She, uh, like I said, she. So did what, she die? She did. She died at the set. So the at the end of the one. second film. Uh, oh, got it. You said X-Men 2. She died. Now she's back. Yeah. Got it. At the okay. end of X-Men 2, Colonel Striker. Oh, yeah. Uh, as a way to, to. That was the post credit scene. You see the fiery phoenix at the bottom of the Correct. water. She comes back uh, to life and she kills she kills her boyfriend. Yes. Immediately yeah. after coming so, back. So, so my problem with the Phoenix, as they call her, in this movie is that basically they chalked up to the reason she's a villain is bitches be crazy. Uh, is, is literally kind of oh. she just nuts and and like <laughs> and, and yeah I, they 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 chalk it up to mental disability yeah basically like and they say that she huh. had, uh, technically had this since All she along. was a kid um, now admittedly well the one interesting part about that as much as I somewhat dislike the plot point is it shows a darker is not the word. But it puts Xavier like you've loved Xavier for two films. Yeah, yeah, and you've it puts loved him Patrick Stewart. You've loved Xavier. Yeah, and all of a sudden it puts him in a unflattering, unflattering light, yeah. moral position mm-hmm. because what it's revealed is that in order to prevent this Phoenix personality from coming out and destroying things, because that's what it does, he took Jean Grey and boxed her in. Took each aspect of that personality and put layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of mental blockings to try to prevent this thing from breaking out. Uh, Which is, which correlates with the film because there are characters in the film that are struggling to choose whether or not they want to keep their mutant abilities. And a Paquin is in the film, she plays rogue. This is a central part of the film. She's struggling with this idea of, I am unable to have physical contact with anyone. Including including intimacy. Including intimacy. Do I give up this power, this uniqueness, the thing that makes me who I am, for the ability to, to alter what the rest of my life looks like? Or do I keep that? On the other side, there's the plot point of Jean Grey in which that choice is somewhat removed. Her ability to choose that is taken away. Now, mind you, she's been dead since the second film, so it's hard to kind of wrap your head around that, but it's an interesting plot point, to say the least, uh, to have a character where the the choice to be who she is is somewhat removed because of the danger that it poses. So let's do villain roundup here, because they kind of have, like, tri a triumvirate of villains here. Yes, in my the opinion. thing that Brian doesn't like. So we have Magneto. Yes, we have Magneto Which for the third sad, time. And, and I'm sorry, this is like the worst personification of Magneto uh, in all three movies so far, in my opinion. Um, well, he, he's basically just the guy holding the gun. Yeah, that he's yeah. trying to fire in a direction. Would you argue that this is the same Magneto from the first film? Just remove the machine, uh, insert Dark Phoenix, and it's I, the I same just think thing? at I this just, point we have even less motivation to like him, though. Yeah, I think in like, this, well, in, that's because he's gotten three of the same. <laughs> 
Well, see, no, no, no. Here's, here's the way I see it is Magneto in the first one was like, oh, you know, whoever survives, survives. Uh, I'll turn him into mutants. Then he was sure. like, I want to kill all humans. And now he's like, this could be something that destroys the whole world. No fucks given. Like, he just doesn't care. Because um, seriously, he doesn't. He's he's a kid who plays with a firecracker and like does not care about the collateral damage it's going to cause. See, I would disagree with that sl- like slightly in that I think Magneto's naivete for mutants is more of what causes that. I- Magneto was okay using Phoenix as a weapon because he knew Jean Grey was a mutant and he thought that he could control her in which Xavier failed. Now ultimately I it, I feel I feel like because that's I think part his of what fear they were- at the end of the film is what she became. I, I feel like that's something they they hoped would come across, but doesn't. Yeah. Like, it really just comes across as, like, there there's a the plot line of the movie, like you said, the, the ability to retain your uniqueness or give it up. That's a that's a good plot line point. Like, that's yeah. that's an interesting plot. Like, Magneto's plot. Magneto's thinking is if we allow this to continue happening, it is the oblivion of our species. We are we are yeah, a separate his entire species. motivation is to destroy the cure. Right. Yeah. That's everything he wants to do. And basically he was handed a weapon on a silver platter. Yeah. Uh, and a very malleable state. Yeah. State that basically said basically, like I said, he's just the guy holding the gun, firing it at that at Warren Worthington's dad. Yeah. Worthington Industries, I think, is yeah. the yeah. company that's doing it. Angel being the guy with the wings and the X-Men. His his dad is the one who comes up with the super cure in the uh, in the movie. Um, plot point, and uh, so I would say, like in the movie, I don't know. I have a really hard time looking at this movie just because I I agree with you. There's there there is an interesting plot that you can read into it, and I get that they were trying to do this during the writer's strike. Yeah. It just, I, th- I so, just think a big problem I had with the movie was uh, the way he casually, in my in my opinion, casually used Jean uh, uh, to, well, it didn't use her to kill Xavier, but made no effort to ha- to stop her from killing Xavier. That's the one time where I almost kind of related to Magneto because he watches her kill Xavier and then yeah. feels bad about it. Yeah. Yeah, but he like, like he didn't even try to stop her, though. He knows well, he can't. But, the, but that the entire purpose of that scene is to establish that he can't. How, yeah, how powerful, yeah. Because then he could just stop her later when she goes yeah, true, shit true, true, at the true, island. Yeah. I think to that point, one of the reasons I do like Xavier, or one of the reasons I do like Magneto is in the scene afterwards when, uh, who's who's the guy with the spikes in his face? Spike? Sure. <laughs> I think that's Spike. I, I, sure, okay, that's his name. So uh, the guy says uh, we should be ecstatic because she killed Xavier. And he turns around and he says, Xavier did more for mutants in, in, in his lifetime than you will or in uh, what is this? Xavier did more for mutants in his time on this planet than you will ever do in your lifetime. Wait, mm-hmm. can you guys help me? Xavier, he's the one that Professor X. Professor X. No, no, no. He was the one that the guy who causes hallucinations was going to use to kill everyone. Yeah. He's he's the guy in the wheelchair that leads the X Men. Got it. Got Professor it. Xavier, Professor X. Got it. He's the guy in the wheelchair in the back. Jean Luc Picard. Patrick. Right. Patrick Stewart. Um, so, so, uh, so, 
we have Magneto, we have Phoenix, and then we also have um, Warren Worthington, Worthington Industries. And Industries are kind of like a, a, a tertiary villain, I'll, I'll, as well as... Hey, let's sprinkle in the Juggernaut Yeah, and there's a lot of shit I'm, I'm an internet well, who, who's meme, the bitch. the villain then? Is it Magneto? Yeah, technically. Yeah. yeah. I would say, well, well Dark Phoenix. Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix and Magneto are the big Dark two. Phoenix, Magneto, Juggernaut well, are all kind of lumped I mean, Juggernaut's together. Juggernaut's like a minion... Because Magneto has a whole old. I would minions. say Magneto and 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 Dark and Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. So you're right, the so guy got that, and then you got Worthing Worthington, and then you got all that shit on the other. Worthington Industries. I still think like this is. I still think it's Magneto is in the transfer towards a dark, a D bag with powers. I'm so used to calling. Why? Because it, 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 it eventually just boils down into. It still boils down to it, but I do still think that there's stuff there. I think, like, like I said, they, and they I think show you nuggets of good. His flaw in every single movie is there's nuggets of really good content that just boil down to nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was my least favorite movie for him. Yeah. Uh, until Apocalypse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Ian McKellen wasn't in Apocalypse. As Ian McKellen. Okay, yeah. As Ian McKellen, this is my least favorite Ian McKellen so movie. So would you just agree with me in the transfer window before yeah, I even go around? I, I agree. Um, yeah, I'll go with you the transfer window. The... The Magneto thing, that scene where he's talking about Professor X is the only scene I like him in this movie. Yeah. The only scene. Yeah. And that's saying something because I love Ian McKellen. Yeah. Like. All right. So let's love talk Ian about um, uh, Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. I really think this uh, just written as bitches be crazy. I, I really D-bags mean, with powers. Yeah. D-bag. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's almost D-bag, it's almost D-bags of power and that's okay because they really didn't even attempt to write her any more better than that. Yeah. But they then they they tried to show like motivation for what she was doing and then like her <laughs> killing people. Bitches. Be, be crazy. crazy. Phoenix. <laughs> Bitches be Phoenix. That's probably <laughs> what I would have been done. Be Fine. Jesus. You guys are so <laughs> write it the way I want. Read our minds. <laughs> Um, How did I hurt my knee? Anyway, sorry. Sympathy pains for me. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, uh, and then I I don't even really think you can put wor- the Worthington Industries as like as a, anything. As, as yeah, an it's just an entity. It's not even. Oh, it's not. Well, the hand oh, is an no. entity. But like, yeah, but the I don't, hand is unforgivable. Like, like I don't, but the I don't hand think is also the only villain in that movie. So you have to. Give I feel it to like something. this is just that an is antagonistic true. element. It's not even like a villain. All right, so let's let's move forward. Who is next on our next item up for bid? What grade was I in for the next movie? Isn't it Batman Begins? I've wait. Are we just doing not Batman Begins? Yeah. Just I doing thought that Marvel. was like two thousand six. Are we just doing Marvel? right We're now? going through Marvel right now. Oh, okay. I thought we were. I was going. like Batman Begins. Sorry, Ghost? I didn't know we were. What oh, the Ghost Rider? I believe this is Ghost Rider, not to be confused with Ghost Writer. <laughs> wait, if, wait. If you saw that show is back Nicolas in the day. Is Nicolas Cage in this? He yes. most certainly Have is. you seen it? No. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but I yeah. just see Nicolas Cage. Is Nicolas yeah. Cage in this? I just want to say that there is a urban legend that he had his abs um, uh, done with CG, uh, but that the... Uh, who was the other actor? Who's the actress in it? Ava Mendez. Yeah. Uh, has stated that that was not the case. He really worked out very hard. Oh. <laughs> he worked out really hard. Is this one of his good movies? <laughs> uh, because from the pictures that I'm seeing, I'm very worried. My name's Johnny Blaze. I ride a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> uh, can I? Can I read? Can I read cool. This? 
Can I read the synopsis as Johnny Blaze? Please. Because, <laughs> like, he looks like a villain on his own. Well, yeah. Ghost Rider is supposed to be a very dark hero. Like, um... Is he misunderstood? Almost like an anti-hero. Almost like an anti-hero. Basically, like, he's, he's possessed by a spirit of vengeance, and he has to go do... He has to... Hurt where, people where, that where have hurt you, other people. Uh, where are you getting these from? I'm uh, pulling them up on the. Just like yeah, this? Yeah, there okay. you go. Can I do it? You absolutely okay. can. I just want to do this as. as Whoa, all right. <laughs> Years ago, motorcycle stuntman Johnny Blaze, Nicolas Cage, sold his soul to save the life of a loved one. Now he transforms into a fiery, avenging agent of justice at night whenever evil roams. As the only one who can walk in both worlds, Johnny is charged by Mephistopheles. Don't, uh, oh, I'm reading the wrong one. My bad. You're right. You're good. No, I was. I started reading this one's Spirit of Vengeance. Ooh, my bad. <laughs> no, you're not. You're fine. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's the right one. That's the right one. Yeah. That is the right one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, Donald. Okay, charged by Mephistopheles, Donald Logue <laughs> himself to destroy Blackheart, West Bentley, a demon that wants to overthrow Mephistopheles. And create a worse hell than one that currently exists. What the hell is Mephistopheles? Mephistopheles is a <laughs> Mephistopheles is, is the devil. Is a oh, is a the ca- is a is a character is the from uh, that's usually associated with the devil. In, or, in the comics, um, his name is Mephisto. Okay, <laughs> uh, but in like if you ever read like the classical literature, like um, the tragical history of life, the death and doc- of um, Doctor Faustus. Mephistopheles is one of the devils that goes around making deals for people's souls. Gotcha. Blackheart's his son. <laughs> <laughs> Are you I don't really going to describe this Nicholas Cage is going to no, leave until it. this movie's done. Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just wait until we get to the second one. It'll be great. So, uh, I guess Sorry, I, I guess the plot is kind of... I didn't think it was Donald Logue who played Mephistopheles, but... I don't know. So, um, basically... So, so, basically, what happens is... Um, Johnny's dad is sick, is going to die, or uh, Johnny's dad is going to yeah. die. Uh, so he, he signs a deal with the devil to save his life. Johnny's father dies anyway, ah. um, and he becomes the ghost rider. At night, when innocent blood is spilled, the ghost rider comes out and, and seeks vengeance upon those who would do it by basically making them go insane. Okay. This also has the effect of kind of making uh, Johnny go a little bit insane um <laughs> no beer and no tv make johnny something something go crazy, go crazy. don't word. mind if i do right <laughs> i was there with you on that one um but basically <laughs> he learns to make the curse his own oh. and uh fights uh so basically the devil's son blackheart uh is looking for a contract that was signed for like a whole bunch of souls uh and if he gets that contract souls. yeah if he gets that contract he'll become like very very powerful Arguably enough to contend to contend against his father. Yes, and Blackheart in the comics, Blackheart is always trying to become the new devil. Yeah. Okay, so he has daddy issues, and so uh, yep. the devil's like, "Yo," he's like, "Yo, Ghost Rider, I have a son who's trying to do this thing that could affect me very badly. So you're gonna stop him." And he's like, "All right, <laughs> um, I'm on it. Oh yeah." <laughs> Step into the Slim Jim. I'm just going there. Um, <laughs> so so it's up to so he's got to balance. His relationship with his, uh, Roxanne, is that her name, I think? Roxanne. Uh, with his girlfriend, his alter ego. Roxanne. I'm sorry, it's just weird. Uh, his alter ego, uh, Ghost Rider, who's kind of insane and does bad things that he kind of sometimes doesn't have control over. 
and he's got to try and stop uh, this Legion dude. Uh, or all Hawk. while not liking Mephisto. All while not like he's doing all of this for Mephisto, but he hates Mephisto okay. because he tricked him into selling his soul and then let his dad die anyway. Yep. So it sounds like this villain, uh, Blackheart, is that his name? Yeah. He is a debug with powers, but it's okay because he was born into this life and he has daddy issues because his dad's the devil. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? You know. Yeah, I think I'd have some think, daddy issues. I'm, I think that's fair. Devil. I mean, I they, think, yeah. they 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 don't really go. I don't think they go enough into like from what I remember of the movie, they don't go well enough into why he's doing what he's doing. He just kind of he's just kind of like I'm Wes Bentley and I I want to beat the devil. <laughs> so um, I would say he's a teabag and that's okay. Mephistopheles, I'd say, is probably like quality because they go into why he's doing what he's doing and he does it well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm disagreeing. Yeah, he really, he really fucks with Johnny Blaze. Right? And he's like, I make deals for people's souls and I screw them over. And then I get them to do whatever I want. Yep. And I did. And at the end... Nanny boo-boo, nanny nanny boo-boo. Go and at me. the end, he's like, hey, I'll free you of this ghost, of, the, of this curse. And he's like, I'm going to keep the curse and make it mine. <laughs> I'll take you down. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, that's enough of that. That's, that's <laughs> he, like, he likes his face on fire. That's enough of that. Um, oh my god! I, I have nothing to add to this movie. I absolutely hate the Ghost Rider movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I like I said, it's it's tough for me to say Mephistopheles. Like I want to throw him in like transfer. I don't think he's a d bag with powers because again, they 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 go into why he's doing it. Yeah. And it makes sense in the plot of the movie. Yeah. I had literally no idea that Ghost Rider was a comic book at all. Yeah, yeah. No clue. I There's thought, three Ghost Riders right now. I just thought that Nicolas Cage like took a weird role by some person that he made did. This. Uh, that is also well, a fact yeah, but statement. <laughs> I just I don't know. I didn't. Is it a good comic uh, book? Yeah. Ghost yeah. Rider. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. I, well, it depends I'm, on who I'm especially it. privy to what they've done recently. recently. Yeah. Um, with um, Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes. Uh, and again, I don't think they've matched it in the comics, but at least in like modern media, Robbie Reyes as a ghostwriter as a spirit of vengeance. Uh, his brother is killed in an LA gang, uh, like crossfire. Uh, and it's deeply embedded in that culture, that gang culture in in East LA. Uh, and it's very different. Like just the environment, the way it's depicted is very different. Um, Got it. But the Ghost Rider still, the the soul of the Ghost Rider still takes over Robbie. And instead of riding a bike, he drives like a like a like a Chevelle a souped as, up car, souped yeah. up car, and it looks dope. It's really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. In the uh, comics, in the comics, Robbie Reyes, uh, they that that they base the character off of his brother's still alive, but he's in a wheelchair, so he's to balance this spirit of vengeance who's looking to avenge, especially people in the in a in a, in a gang heavy area who might be getting killed or hurt or who are innocent, and uh, you know things bad things are happening to him, so he's got to balance this. Um, he's got a handicapped brother. He's got no other support system. Yeah. And he's got to balance out being a spirit of vengeance. Yeah. So it like, I just, I really enjoyed that aspect of it for that character. But for, for this one, I, I'm indifferent. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, he's, uh, it's all written better. Well, better, uh, well, better, well, better, much better in the comics yeah. than it is. Uh, 